So when World War Three starts, I can look back and know what I was thinking. This was is Ellie Newman on its relationship. This is KDPI 89.3 FM, Ketchum. My guest today is Vicki Young, and she is the event chair for the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Thanks for joining me, Vicki, and welcome. Thank you, Ellie. Good morning. Have you been to Idaho? I have been. I was here in 2012 and several years ago in the MBS. So you've been with the organization for a while because I noticed they'd been here a couple times when I saw the list. And we'll sort of talk about later the different places that that the summits and the different meetings have, have occurred. And um, I was looking into the the websites and information about the MBS a little bit, and I saw that the mission statement um, is for the NBS, National Brotherhood of Skiers, is to identify, develop, support athletes of color who will win international and awards competitions representing the United States and to increase participation in winter sports. Is that still um, the mission of the organization? Absolutely. We still embrace that mission. And so when when did you join? I joined the MBS in the late 80s. My first trip actually was in 1990. And did did you ski prior to that? I did. Or My snowboard. See, I'm assuming here I should oh, not. You oh, may be oh. a, a wild snowboarder in the half pipe. <laughs> oh, no, Ellie. I skied prior to that, just uh, two years prior to that. Uh-huh. I, I was a late bloomer. Oh, I was too. And what led you to skiing? Um, I had just finished my master's degree. I was a late bloomer there also, and my sister gave me an all-expense paid trip oh. uh, to Lake Placid, New York. So, And I, where, where, where were you living at the time? Kansas City, Missouri. So I decided to take a couple of lessons and join her ski club, which was Skiing Plus, out of New York. So she was already skiing, and, and um, she was also a member of one of the clubs, the yes. local clubs. And what had led her to skiing? Had you grown up in Missouri? Yes, I did. I was born and raised in Missouri, and uh, she moved to New York uh, quite a while before uh, she started skiing. I don't know what led her to skiing because she was not the athletic type. Yeah, and I mean, it's especially if you're not, it's got a lot of challenges. It, athletically, it's it's demanding. It's cold. There's a lot of gear. Yes. Um. So... So how long had she been skiing before she decided that you needed to join in? About four years, and she's an expert skier. She is. And did she take lessons? Or Yes, she did. It just, it's something that, that she's suited for? She took lessons, a lot of falls, uh, which led to her being a very good skier. And was she skiing primarily in New York? Yes, on the uh, East Coast. On the East Coast, because I haven't skied on the East Coast, but what you hear from people, my husband grew up on the East Coast, and Mm -hmm. they just sort of, you know, it's like a brotherhood in itself if you've skied on the East Coast versus the West Coast or in Canada or somewhere, because... The, it's much more icy. It's colder, right? It's it's a little more for me more frightening. Absolutely, I took uh, you a hear one that week <laughs> sound a lot more. <laughs> I had a one week ski lesson in Grey Rocks, which is uh, northeast, 
and the snow was not like the snow in Colorado yeah. or, or out west. Yeah, and was she with you on that, that week trip? Yes, she was. We shouldn't just send you off on your... <laughs> she was with me on that one, but I went back again, and uh-huh. she was not there. And did you start off with lessons, or did you... I had friends... I started skiing in high school, and my friends thought the best way to teach someone was to take them to the top of the hill and then sort of say, okay, we'll meet you at the bottom. Always with lessons. Oh, good. I think that's yeah. wise. Yes. I mean, it's why you're still skiing. That's true. Well, so that's great. And did you take to it right away? I did, actually. I was surprised at myself. Um, I actually loved it the first time I was out, and my lessons were at night at a very small hill in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, my gosh. In preparation for my trip to Lake And Placid. so did they have the T-bar that pulled you up? Was it that small? Yes. You know, where you hold the pole and it... It, it was, it, it was a kinda, rope. Yeah, the rope. Yeah, the <laughs> rope. Which, yeah, it was a kind of fun. I remember that. I grew up in California and Big Bear Mountain, we had that. It was, mm-hmm. kinda, you know, once the first time scary to get on or if you get pulled off, but, but it's kind of fun. And have you tried snowboarding at all? Never. Never. I don't think my knees would uh, stand up to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's there used to be, it seems, a big sort of uh, bigger animosity between the skiers and the snowboarders and you know 20 years ago and that seems to have faded it seems like they've learned how to share the mountain happily absolutely i tell you when i was skiing and there were snowboarders as a new skier i was very afraid of them mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. so i tried to always look behind me to stay out of the that way. they weren't coming down but yeah. now you're right everybody's come together very nicely yeah. so and yeah. we share the hill and i i want to talk a little bit about uh, the beginnings of the nbs and then we'll talk about more where it is today and and what it's all about. I have a little bit of a story of the founders, Art Clay and and Ben Finley, that started it back in in 1973. And is is there sort of a story from being a member that you hear about how it got started? Well, yes, I hear, and I've heard it directly from Art and Ben because they've been present at most of our events. Oh, they're still involved. I wondered about that. Yes, Art is with us at this event. Ben could not make it, but, uh, yes, we hear their stories. And, you know, they had a ski club uh, in the Chicago area and in the California area and um, decided they wound up at the same place at one time and decided, you know, we should do this again. And uh, they did and started talking about starting an organization to give them a chance to get to know each other and talk through situations, you know, when they're on the mountains and visiting what they called at that point Lily White Ski Resorts, you know. I think it's probably still pretty applicable. Well, you know, we don't see that so much anymore, I guess, because we're, we've grown so large and we're out there all the time. Yeah, so then it's not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and all, and, and all, you're going to a variety of places as well, large and small. Yes, we are. Yes, every other year we're in a large venue and a smaller venue based on our two events. Are we large or small here in Sun Valley? You're small. I thought we were small. That was what I was going to, if I had to guess, I thought we went in the small category. Yes, our AMCCs are small events Uh and our summits are large events. Okay. So the summits are, I wondered if that was still accurate, every other year. Yes, every odd year. And the AMCCs are every even year. Okay. And so um, it said that their vision was to create a national black ski summit. They had met in 1972, and while they had the two ski clubs, and uh, they moved forward with this proposal together. And 
they had their first summit at, at Ajax Mountain, and the purpose was to identify and discuss the problems and subjects that were unique to the black skiing population to ski and to socialize. Um, and and what do you what do you kind of see as was the order of those things? Was socializing first? <laughs> was it to meet and and kind of create a, an organization to kind of deal with the the unique situation at the time? You know, I think it's the um, skiing and socializing first mm-hmm. uh, because uh, this, they were ski clubs. And so they were all about skiing. And then to be able to meet uh, clubs from across the country, you know, the other side, uh, then the socializing came into place. And is it your impression, were there a lot of clubs in 1973? I noticed yesterday um, different members that are here at the, we call it a mini summit, Mm -hmm. at the mini summit. um, They have very cool jackets that have different emblems on the back and say what city or state they're from and, and a name of the club and there was a, a variety mm-hmm. were there quite a few ski clubs back then there were there there was a pocket of them um, some of the larger clubs were in existence then but as you can tell we've grown every year from that point and had had art and or ben had they grown up skiing you know i don't know their story and how they got started skiing and how they got into the clubs right right and so um the black ski summit 1975 was hosted by the i love their names the snow gophers ski club Mm -hmm. was held here in sun valley idaho and there were over 750 skiers that attended and the clubs in in attendance then elected ray mott of black ski inc the first president yes and today the organization has grown to 60 clubs Uh, representing 43 cities and a membership of 3,000. The NBS is recognized, and I thought this was, I mean, it's incredible, is recognized by the ski industry as one of the largest ski organizations and its summit as the largest gathering of skiers and riders more than any other ski convention in the United States. That's a step we're very proud of. As you should be. That's fantastic. Yeah, we're very organized and... um you know, and we are recognized across the U.S. by other ski councils, and we like that. And um, do you are you involved much with other councils? Are there sort of like the, the ski convention where various heads of summits meet? You know, our, our executive vice president attends meetings mm-hmm. of, I'm not, I'm not sure of the name of the organization, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she attends meetings of ski councils mm-hmm. uh, and keeps the NBS involved in those. So you went for your first week. Uh, thanks to your sister in yes. in New York, like Classed, and did you join a club there when you were when you were doing like did you did the bug bite and you kind of thought what's next the bug bit Ellie and I came back to Kansas City and formed my own club oh <laughs> one step better yes it was uh, slopes and volley because I was also here ah. and uh, so I formed my own club and then we went to Steamboat Springs for the summit my first summit. Then I realized there was already a Kansas City Ski Club called uh, Kansas City Ski and Travel Club. Uh-huh. So my club joined. You merged. Yes. We did and merge. so what? How, what was it like to start the club? What steps did you take? You know, we didn't know about the MBS at the time mm-hmm. we started our club. Oh, you didn't? No, we just we just decided that we wanted others of our tennis friends uh-huh. to get involved with skiing because it was so much fun for us. Because I, I learned with another person, a friend of mine. Who was, was also so from Missouri? Yes, uh-huh. yes. And it was so much fun. We thought, well, let's get all of our tennis buddies uh, on the slopes. And we did. And, you know, 
they all started with us. And so when you started the club, did you organize um, f- specific ski trips, like for that year or for the next year? The first ski trip we organized was, again, up to the small ski hill in uh-huh. Kansas City, Missouri. Then we learned about the summit and steamboat, and so that was our first big trip. That was so the first big trip. we packed a steamer trunk full of food, made t shirts, and headed off to. Uh, and did you come as members or a renegade? We're going to talk about the renegades later. We did come as members. You we came as we members. did join. Uh huh. We did. That's when we learned about the other Kansas City Ski Club. Oh, at the summit. At the summit, yes. And what was that experience like for you that first time at the summit? How many did you have in your group? In my group, my small group, there were ten of us. Uh huh. That experience. And had any of them skied before, or were you the now the expert? <laughs> Not before we all got together. We all got together. So we were yeah. skiing at the same yeah. level. Yeah. So that was the fun part, but um, that was that experience was unbelievable. I swore then I would never miss another summit, and I have not. And what was it about it that that? made you feel that way? It was um, when you're out skiing, meeting the other people, you know, you're riding the lifts and talking with people, learning where they're from, you're making friends, and then the evening activities, you're again socializing and meeting new people. Uh, that That is really appealing to me, and it was a lot of fun. People were so nice and so glad to meet you and talk about their experience. And did you have that a little bit with the tennis club prior, and was this somehow different? Our tennis club was very small, and we didn't travel, so mm-hmm. it was just us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the party wasn't as big. No, not at all. Or the opportunities to interact. All right, well, we're going to take a short break. This is Ellie Newman on Its Relationship, and I'm talking with Vicki Young about her experience with the NBS and then NBS on, in a broader spectrum, and we'll be back in just a moment, so please stay with us. All right, we're back. This is Ellie Newman and its relationship, and we are here with Vicki Young, and we're talking about the National Brotherhood of Skiers and learning all about its beginnings and its middle and, and then where they are today. And we were talking a little bit about the social element of it and how you were kind of caught right off the first visit um, from the wonderful opportunities and the social. And I just want to say we had the best music I've heard in 10 years living here yesterday over across from Atkinson's Market. I was with my daughter walking by and I was like, okay, now this is dance music. We stopped and we were dancing. Wasn't that fun? Oh, it was fun and it was good music. Just the atmosphere right off. It felt very welcoming, very open. You could tell people were having a good time. People felt comfortable. And so this is the mini one. The first one you went to, was that larger or was that a a smaller? It was the larger one. It was a larger one. Yes. So how many people were there? Did you all take a bus together? How'd you you get there? We flew together. You flew. And took a bus up the mountain Mm -hmm. together. And there were just shy of 5,000 people at that event. Oh, my gosh. It was so large that our evening activities were held in an underground garage. Wow. And do people tend to stay in in the same hotels or complexes? Is it organized that way? Clubs try to stay together. The clubs will stay together. But not sort of as a, a, it's not like a, a convention or a conference where they'll rent out a, a huge area or something. No, other than we the all, activities. everybody wants to be in skiing and ski out, so we all want to be close to the mountain as possible. So you're serious about the skiing. Absolutely. Okay, and so tell me a typical day. So or even the typical, is it is it a week? 
It's a week. Okay, and I saw something. Someone had written an article, and they said, oh, you know, I had plan- hadn't planned to stay the whole week, and they left mid midweek and were feeling sorry about it. And there was a comment from someone and said, oh, yeah, a typical rookie mistake. Um, <laughs> you learn you don't want to leave midweek. No way. You miss too you much. You miss too much. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Okay, so you get there. You're with your club. What happens next? The typical day is, of course, getting all the gear on, getting to the mountain, and you ski and board very hard all day long. Then we come in and we have an our ski event for about three hours. Then I think a lot of people go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Some go and have dinner, others go to bed. Yeah. And, and we start all over and you start again all the next over. day. And yesterday I think there was a happy hour and then there was going to be a pub crawl and then yes. I don't know what when that was going to end. The pub crawl was to end at 7.30, but okay. I'm sure that the, the last sun. location had people there for quite a for while. For quite a while. And is are the, the clubs or the organization as a whole, are they involved and in sort of helpful or supportive in, you mentioned the gear, in sort of getting the gear or lessons or any sort of kind of for people who had never skied before is that the the local club's responsibility or does the national club participate in that as well Ellie when we come to our events it's national's responsibility when we're working with the event planners to uh, provide lessons for our never evers and uh, even lessons for people who are not quite comfortable. So we try and... Uh, Do they have a name, the not quite comfortables? <laughs> no. I like the never evers. <laughs> Every no. part of the not quite comfortable group, you know we we'll need a name. To, we'll have to come up with a we'll name come for up that with one. A name. Yes, but we try and negotiate uh, discounts to so that they will come. Mm-hmm. And because if they never skied and they're skiing at our price, they may not come mm-hmm. because they're thinking maybe I won't like it. Mm-hmm. So if we make it reasonable for them, they'll mm-hmm. come and uh, take the lessons and they're hooked. And so 5,000 people, is it typically word of mouth? Did, did you, got, you came along because you'd gone skiing, you loved it, you started your own club. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the typical experience, people aren't as ambitious and as <laughs> confident as you are to start your own club. So they, do they typically hear from a friend or a relative? How, how do you think people mostly get to know about MBS or the, the local word, clubs? The word spreads very quickly. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm not unique in starting my own club. There are a lot of people who come and say, oh, I'm going to go back to my city and start a club. And And the MBS will help them. We have now guidelines to help them get started. And without knowing that there are clubs, it's just like, okay, I'm starting. I'm so impressed by that. Um, Okay, so... Uh, that's the typical day, and mm-hmm. does it? Do you have a big blowout at the end, or is it? We don't. Not at mm-hmm. the end. What we're all done, too tired. <laughs> we are. We, <laughs> we have to pack. Yeah. We have. We extend our, our pre-ski event uh, one hour on Friday nights because everybody's out on Saturday. And who organizes the the entertainment, the social parts of it? Um, are, are the local clubs involved at all with that, or is that just NBS that does that? You know, we, that? we do involve the local clubs indirectly because as the uh, event chair, I have drop-in calls monthly with the trip leaders and club presidents trying to get their input on what they want from us and, you know, tell them what we've got planned and if they agree with it or what have you. But once we are, the planning process itself takes place within my committee, and uh, I have a uh, a group that works with the evening entertainment. That would be my sponsorship person. And how often do the local clubs 
uh, get together apart from being part of the national group? It varies from each club. Do you I, still have your club going? Uh, yes, yes. And so how often do you meet? We get together twice a year, uh, but then we also apart have informal, we have also informal um, e um, summer activities. And, and so know. have you developed, so how long has the club, how many years has the club been going now? 35 years. 35 years. And how close have these friendships become? For oh, you. very close, very close. Some people I met because of that club, and now we're in, you know, other activities together, and very, very close. And are you still playing tennis, or is no. that out the window? <laughs> is the tennis t second back seat? That took a back seat a, a while ago. So we have the typical day and kind of what happens during the summit. Um, I had saw on the site also that Diana Sparks is president. She had moved up through the ranks, starting as youth director at the club level and then many positions from there. Were women always welcome in the club? Uh, yes. First, I want to correct is Diana Starks uh, instead of Sparks. Oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> and that's what I have on my sheet. So I don't know. Starks and president. That's okay. Uh, yeah. You know, Ellie, as, as long as I can remember, women have always been involved at the national level. Very welcome. There is no gender biases uh, at all in the National Brotherhood of Skiers. And and in the local clubs as well, they were Absolutely. always always male, female. Absolutely. And is the club open to any person of color? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We welcome anyone to come in. Just have fun. It, it definitely. We looks want the numbers. Fun. We want the youth in. We want the uh, middle 30s, 40s. The different age brackets. 60s, 70s, yes. We and we'll everybody. talk about that, the challenges of that a little later um, towards the end of the show because I know the industry as a whole is having the same sort of challenge. How do you get young people interested in, in skiing and sort of what are the barriers to that and keeping them? Within the NBS, there are some also some separate groups. You've got Team NBS, and it said uh, the athletes are the core of our mission and represent the dream of all of us, an outlet for fitness and a means to broaden experiences. The club works to promote excellence in sport, citizenship, and education. And there's also an elite team that one of the members, uh, there was a story about Ralph Green. Yes. Um do you, do you know that story? Would you mind sharing Yes, that? I do know that story. Ralph Green is from the New York area and was a, a stray bullet, a drive-by bullet, uh, caused him to lose a leg. And as a result of that, he couldn't pr uh, pursue his football dream. And he was 15 at yes, the time? Yes, so he took to skiing. MBS learned about him, and we embraced him and got him very involved. To say that right now he's preparing to compete in the Sochi, Sochi Paralympic Games. Oh, that's so wonderful. We're very and, proud of him. And he, he participated in 2006 in yes, Italy. He did. Yes, he did. And I think a few other events since mm -hmm. and has been very successful. He's quite a great skier and uh that his it was his mom that sort of decided well i'm not going to let this ruin the rest of his life and maybe can't do football anymore but he's going to do something else and do it just yes. as well yes so she reached out to the mbs and she contacted you them. yes directly that was her her initiative that's that's fantastic mm -hmm. And so you've been with the organization 35 years, so almost from the beginning. It started, I think, around 40 years mm -hmm. ago. Have you seen a lot of changes? Does it seem like a, a different organization in many ways? I haven't seen a lot of changes in... No, I haven't. You know, I've seen us uh, grow and shrink because of the economy, and I think we're mm -hmm. back on the, the growth side of it now. But as far as our structure is concerned, no. 
uh, I see the same energy and excitement about the organization that I saw when I first, which what which is what attracted me to the organization. So uh, we may be more organized. And uh, how much bigger has it made your world? I mean, sort of skiing just that broaden your your world and coming back and starting the club and those ten members and then growing from there and then coming to a summit that had five thousand and now you've been there thirty five years. You haven't missed one. That's a lot of of interaction. How it is. how much has it expanded your sort of personal world? Oh, tremendously. I can tell you. I have friends now that. Um, I get together with at least once or twice a year that I met as a result of the MBS. And they're in Houston, Jersey, Atlanta, uh, California. You know, it's it's really expanded my friend base, and we stay in touch, and we look forward to meeting at this event also. But also, Ellie, I've traveled a lot. You know, I've gone to Austria with the MBS, you know, gone to Canada, gone to New Zealand and, and uh, Sydney, Australia with the MBS. Wow. So it really has expanded my world. And do you feel like that is a pretty typical experience for most people? Do most people, um, are there quite a few people who have been in it for 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Absolutely. If you look at our demographics, Yes. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> I was going to say to keep that membership and that high rate of participation for any group is really incredible. It is, and I think it's because of the way we are structured and because it affords people the opportunity to see their friends. If they don't get together otherwise, they know they're going to see them at the summit. And and are there clicks? Has it, has it become sort of clicky at all over the years? I don't know if click is the word, but, you know, there are groups. There are groups, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. All right. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is Ellie Newman and It's Relationship, and we will be right back in just a moment, so stay with us. KDPI 89.3 FM, drop-in radio for the Wood River Valley. All right, we're back. This is Ellie Newman and its relationship, and we are talking about the NBS. And, Vicki, we're talking about the, all the places the club has taken you and um, a lot of those out of the country. What aspect of the club took you to New Zealand or Australia or, or what element of participating? The New Zealand and Australia trip was because, as a member of the board, we were going on a FAM trip to explore the upper, the uh, possibility of taking the NBS there for a summit. And are there, uh, when you were in these different locations, did you find, are there similar organizations or anything comparable? Are there local ski clubs or any kind of national ski clubs in those other countries? I did not see anything to that effect, but that doesn't say it yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't hook up with any. No. And um, so let's talk a little bit about the structure of the NBS. Okay. How, how it's structured and, and if that um, has grown over w- with the, the increasing number of membership. Okay, the MBS is structured, uh, is divided into four regions. Uh, is of course, the Western Region, Rocky Mountain Region, Midwest Region, and Eastern Region. Each region has a regional vice president and a director. Those people sit on the board of directors of the MBS. And in addition to those um, people, we have a president, an executive vice president, executive secretary, a treasurer, and financial secretary. So during this week we're here, the board meets twice. They met um, Saturday, and they'll meet again the Friday as we end in the week. Uh, this being an election year, um, there's a lot going on this week. 
So, um, and what sort of things are you discussing? Do you feel you know part of it was to get people to skiing and the education element? We'll talk about that a little little later. Um, but part was also to deal with issues on the mountain and in in these towns. Is that something you still are discussing at these board meetings? You know, I'm, I'm not on the board. You're not on the board. So you don't know what they're talking about in there. <laughs> well, I, at one point I served as the executive secretary mm-hmm. for seven years. So, so I can do tell know. You, I have a little bit of experience. But, you know, I've never heard uh, talk of issues on the mountain because mm-hmm. we just haven't had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been embraced um, wholeheartedly everywhere we go. So I think that part, that ship has sailed. It actually is working out really well for us wherever we go. And do you feel like that uh, is that different from how it was 35 or 40 years ago, or has that been consistent? I'm sure it was different from when uh, Ben Finley and Art Clay started the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, they didn't speak of having major problems. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, a lot of people eyeing them, like, who are these people on the mountain? You well, know, you're going they? into communities that are not diverse of Absolutely. any stretch of the imagination. Yes, but they never spoke of having any real problems with mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. So. so it was more a goal of how do we integrate and promote this yes. this sport which has so much to offer Absolutely. and are they both are they both skiers rather than snowboarders they're skiers and are they just avid avid do they just breathe it they ski better than i do uh-huh. they love it <laughs> yes they love it they're very good skiers and i was going to say uh, our organization is made up purely of volunteers I was going to ask that. everyone who's a member of the board is a, is volunteering their services to the mbs and we in, in your position paid, as well? Mine is mine as well. We have one paid person on staff, and that would be our attorney. So that's a huge amount of work. It is a huge amount of work, a huge commitment to the organization. And and do they pay for sort of any of the travel or they the cost a little bit? Yes, they still. supplement our travels to the annual events, yes. So what drives you? I mean, what drives you? That's a huge commitment. It's out of, you know, pocket costs. Once you, you embrace the mission of the MBS, uh, anybody who embraces the mission, it, you can't help but wanting to get involved and do what you can to further that mission of the MBS. Would, which is, you know, you've read the mission. So. Yeah, but I read it was boring and dry. You tell me. Like, what <laughs> What in your words is the mission? Because it's got to be a lot bigger than what I said if it, it drives so many people to be so committed. No, it's, it's not any bigger. It's just it, it is a volunteer organization where we bring so many people together, and we commit all of our time to making sure all these people have a great time. Our athletes, we are very proud of our athletes. We are so excited that someday we will get one of them on the podium mm-hmm. at the Olympics, mm-hmm. and that is our goal. That's the goal. That's All our right. goal. So. And to have a darn good time while you're doing it. Absolutely. that seems to be a key aspect. It is a key aspect, but it's not the, the only, only thing. And it's not the, right. it's not the reason for being. That is true, yeah. but uh, it's a side. So you have the winter sports, and maybe that is the part that keeps people with the eye on the prize, you know, because it is fun while you're me, doing it. Yes, it keeps yeah. me coming back for sure. So uh, the Winter Sports Education Foundation, tell yes, me a little bit about yes, that. Yes, that is a foundation that was started in 2011. So that's um, new. Yes, it's new. The mission is to improve the lives, health, and fitness of youth in the United States through winter sports. Its leaders consist of mostly ski industry and private sector executives. We're pleased with the accomplishments of the foundation over the last three years, uh, our goal being to facilitate the introduction of 100,000 youth to winter sports each year. Wow. 
through collaborative efforts of youth-serving agencies such as the YMCA, a local retail and winter environment. And what do you do with the the? How do you solve for the roadblock of expense? Because skiing is an expensive sport. You know, the gear is expensive. The actual skiing on the mountain is crazy expensive. Um, you know, having to travel for people that are, especially you know, if they're you're not anywhere near snow, travel to to the that. Um, I'm guessing that's one of the major challenges. That is one of the major challenges, and that's why uh, our group shrank a little bit during the economy, when mm-hmm. the economy went down, and I'm glad to say they're all coming back, because it, skiing is not an inexpensive mm-hmm. sport. Mm-hmm. You know, you can love it and want to do it, but can't, but uh, doing this main event once a year and getting the information out to our people very early allows them to plan and budget for them. Well, and I mean, as I think about it, a lot, all the winter sports, other than sledding, yes. <laughs> but if, you know, once you go up to bobsled, that's going to be pricey, is they are all quite, you know, even ice skating, you know, the ice time, the lessons, the mm-hmm. skates. Um, so where where is the starting point? How do you start to introduce kids to the winter sports? We start at the local club levels and regional levels. Uh, when I started and when I joined the Kansas City Club, they had an active youth component. And uh, as um, cl- as a club, we would help to support our youth in getting their gear. And I'm sure that's not unique to just us, that other clubs do the same thing. But we do start at the club level to recruit the youth to come into the NBS. And how are you communicating with them? Are you guys, are you going out to the schools? Are you doing it through, you mentioned the Y, through other organizations you're collaborating to to get them inspired? Yes, we also go to uh, Boy Scouts uh, troops. Mm -hmm. And there is an organization called Jack and Jill. We go to that organization and uh, sometimes church groups, church youth groups. So we do. And, and is it an easy sell or a hard sell? It's an easy sell for the kids. They yeah. love it. They love it, right? They you, love, and they love the idea of yes, it as well. Absolutely. But then when you tell the parents about the expense of it, then, yeah. it's not an easy sell. And that's where we kick in and try and help them. Uh, when we have a learn to ski day in my club, we bring together all of our old gear so that we can outfit the kids so that the parent doesn't have to buy it to see if the kid really likes can ski first. and likes it first before they make the investment. And what do you feel like is the hook sort of for you and for these kids? Why, why winter sports? Why is winter sports? Why is that important? That's a hard one to answer. You, you either love it or you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 but if you love it, then it... Does it just open up so many new doors for you? It can if you if you love it and you can get out and get involved in an organization like this. It can open up a lot of doors for you again with relationships, connections, and so forth. And uh, I think that's what most people get out of it who are at these summits. And do you focus or does the MBS focus in, in sort of an outward way at all about um, integrating uh, the community of people of color into into the winter sports world, that that, that is a goal important because it's one further step of, of integration? Or, or how do you look at that? Ellie, I think that has already been done so successfully that's no longer a focus. It's not a focus. Honestly, everybody is aware of us. Mm-hmm. We've been almost every place, almost every ski resort mm-hmm. in the United States, you know, that can accommodate us, the size of our group. So integrating us into the world of uh, winter sports, 
I think that has already been done. So it's more just like getting our kids th- to the this podium. This is okay. Yeah. So it's the it's the podiums. Yes. <laughs> the podium. Yes. We want to do that. You want to do that. Yes. Because because they can because they can. because they can absolutely and they see others that see the ma- majority community there and they want to be there and we want to help them get there all right that's my question that's what i was after i know i was like pounding you on the head with a dead fish she's like oh my gosh leave me alone but that was the piece i was after what was it about that that felt important and feels important to everyone who's involved we should have an african-american on the podium all right just as we should and do in the White House. Absolutely. All right. That's That's what I wanted to know. All right. And so I want to talk a little bit about, um, we've talked about the relationships within the club and Mm -hmm. what they're like. And I mean, that seems like just enough to participate, enough of a reason to participate in and of its own to have those sort of relationships and those opportunities to interact, which it seems like in our culture today are not as accessible and sort of easy other than church and and sort of the old standard ways of connecting that people are so busy that that doesn't happen right i agree with you and so you you're serving that need in the community um you're you're educating the youth you're including the youth you're looking to improve the their health and and um, drive for for their goals are there other ways that the local groups or the national group is participating within the communities um, the smaller communities that the local groups are in or the larger community I think the local clubs have their own activities that they participate in in the communities and the regions have regional events both summer and winter events that gets them out in the community and involves the community in their activities. And that's when they can do their membership drives also, let people know about their club, you know, and maybe bring the membership. And do you all share sort of, because that just in and of itself in organizing a membership drive is a huge amount of work and effort and expense and time. Do you share um, ideas and methods with local clubs or do they come from the national chapter as well? The clubs share best practices through the uh, president's meetings that are held uh, a couple times a year. And you go into those as well? I don't go to those. Okay. <laughs> no. like, you're, I'm not, you're not doing it. No wonder you're not I playing tennis. Job, you're, you're, not, you're not playing tennis anymore because you can't. You're overdoing this all the time, That's not it. being paid. <laughs> All right. So renegades, we've mentioned them a couple times. Mm-hmm. I saw them in the literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are they, and 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 uh, are they um, are they friend or foe? You know, they can be both. And I think, in my mind, who they are are people who have not quite embraced our mission yet. You know, and and part of that is our responsibility. We need to get the information out a little bit better and a little broader. You know, the MBS people know the mission, but the people who follow us, um, they follow us through an organized effort. There is someone who organizes the renegade. You guys, you're like the dead. They're following you to yes, the concerts, absolutely. you know. <laughs> There's someone absolutely. in charge of but, where you'll be next. Yes, they do, but we need to embrace them and get the information in their hands about what our mission is and put them in touch with the clubs in their regions and in their cities. And are they skiing as well, or are they just coming for the social? They're skiing. They're skiing. They're skiing. So they're skiing. Yeah, they're skiing. You can, you can party anywhere. Yeah. You know, well, but gonna, I don't know if you can party so well <laughs> and such organized parties gonna, all day long. You're not going to come up to Sun Valley just yeah. to party. Yeah, yeah. So they are skiers, They're skiers, too. too. So, and, we're, and that's why I think we need to... Um, Try you know try different ways to. No, do they have T-shirts or uh, jackets? 
Or do they go you no. know, under the ra- try to stay under the radar? No, they don't have the jackets you see around uh, with all of our clubs. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why do you think they don't, they don't, is there some sort of allure to being a renegade rather than a member? Again, I think we need to educate them mm-hmm. about what the benefits are of being a member of the MBS. Um, some of them think that they can probably get a better deal outside of our registration, mm-hmm. but they can't mm-hmm. because we get, you know, discounted lift tickets and lodging and so forth. And we do that for our membership Uh we negotiate that with the mountain for membership. And how about, um, aside from the mountain, with the rest of the community? Because most of these ski towns are small towns mm-hmm. with, you know, a community that relies on business coming in yes. re- for travelers and resort and skiers. Are you connecting with those local uh, restaurants and shops as well? Are they yes. participating? Yes, they are. And I can tell you, I am working with two of the best event planners, Heather and... Um, um, I can't, Heather, I can't think, Ellen. Yes, they they were assigned to us by the town of Ketchum. They have done a wonderful job to get us connected with the local businesses and get them to know us, us to know them. And uh, it's been great working with them. The, the merchants here have really embraced the MBS. And... Uh, I like that. It's working really well for us. Well, we call that a win-win, right? It is. They make us feel so welcome. It's really nice. And I guess you are all spending quite a bit of money as well here. So it's a huge advantage to whatever community you decide to have, especially the big summit. Absolutely. Wherever you decide to be next. And do you know where the next one will be? How how much in advance is this plan? To back to the roots. Yes. The, the starting point. I don't know beyond 2015 uh-huh. yet, but uh, we know Snowmass Aspen next year. Um, so we talked a little bit about the challenges of the sport being expensive and that barrier. Other than that, um, is there any other thing you've sort of noticed when, you know, you get the the youths involved, their interests up, parents are past the barrier of the expense. Is there anything else that keep people from from participating that sort of tends to be, um, t- uh, you know, again and again, something that you've seen? I, You know what? I think a lot of it is, is, is uh, expense still. It's not an inexpensive sport, honestly. And so when you talk about coming even to a place like Sun Valley, it's not always easy to get to some places. So the airfare kind of doubles for some people. Yeah. And uh, I think that would be uh, a bit of a challenge for people. But those who really want to go, they make it work. Budget for the year. And and do the kids think it's cool? Do they think that snowboarding is more cool than than skiing? Is skiing for the old folk? Do uh, they all want to board, or, or is that not really happening? You know, we have a lot of skiers in the in our youth group. Uh, our teams are skiers as opposed to snowboarders. And so um, we have a mixture. I tell you, a lot of our adults board. They board. Yes. The clothes are far more comfortable. I get in trouble with the skiers, but I mean, I don't snowboard. But I'm just saying those boots and the baggy clothes to me are appealing. I like the look of the baggy clothes yeah, also. Yeah, it's yes. just comfort. I agree. And do you have, you know, in part of your goal to put someone on the podium, do you have um, in, in part of your local meetings, uh, are there... S- the Olympics, I'm sure, will now be a huge aid in your marketing plan for, for advertising as far as the successes of, of the U.S. in various of the winter sports. Um, is it easier after something like the Nationals or the Olympics where things have been televised and, you know, you see the commercial with the little kid on the, <laughs> on the slide and next on the bobsled? Um, 
Are you guys, do you play off that at all? You know, I'm not involved much with the youth team, mm-hmm. but I would I agree with you. It probably is a good time to start doing the recruiting if we want to get more youth involved. Well, you know, get the posters up on the, the wall, yes, right? Absolutely. Of, of these people who are on the do they put people on the Wheaties box anymore? I don't know. <laughs> like you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think we'll have to check because you know I always inspired you think, oh yeah, look at that, I could do that. We need an MBS or, on the Wheaties box. Yeah, that would yeah, be great. Yeah, that's the goal. MBS yeah. on the Wheaties, and then you know, inspirational videos of how they got there so you got to start filming these these youth now so they can be in those commercials in the next olympics when we see them well thank you so much for joining us is there anything else you'd like to say about the club before we sign off uh only that we have uh i didn't cover the fact that our clubs also race against each other so we have races this week i think we've got um 35 participants this week in four different categories and that's always a lot of fun oh, because I, I tell you there are some good fast skiers in these clubs and do the local are there many locations where there are more than one local club i know there is with you in missouri well mm-hmm. you've merged now do you have races or do some of the clubs have things like that during the year in between the summits they do some of it in their regions in the regions yes at their winter carnivals uh but uh the the national races are always of course at the summit and if someone wants to get involved mm-hmm. what are the steps to take to get involved they need to go to our website, www.mbs.org, and uh, based on their region, they can connect with the club in their region. And they're all listed in the website. And it sounds like you would encourage anyone who has even a thought of doing so to do so. Absolutely. The rewards are big. if you are never, ever still connect with the club, because all of them have learned to ski activities, so uh, don't be afraid. Come on out. We'll get you on skis, get you up the hill, and get you down safely. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This is It's Relationship, and thanks for listening. Thank you, Ellie. This is KDPI 89.3 FM. Catch them. I run over cement walkways, paved over souls, bearing in depths of my steps, left upon these skulls, my timber limbs heavy.